Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Love you too. Oh, and my mic is working. That's always a good thing, right? Good morning. How are you all? Oh, you're so spread out. Let's all come together. Put carpets on the floor, like story time. It's hard to see you guys, but I'll do my best. So what's new? Everybody's been prayer walking? Got new shoes? I mean, hey, that's a good reason enough for me. Well, the news in the Loveland family is we decided to adopt a dog. (laughs) Got you. And he is crazy. (laughs) He's a one-year-old lab mutt mix of some kind. And speaking of shoes, he has quite the appetite for them. So if anybody knows anyone who needs only left shoes, left-footed shoes, I got those. Um, yeah, but it's been, <laughs> it's been fun. He also, um, has figured out how to climb trees because he has a disdain for every squirrel in our yard. And the squirrels actually, they know that they can tease him. So they get in this one tree that my son climbs and the dog has watched him climb it and is now climbing it himself. So if you've never seen a dog in a tree before, please come on over and take a look. (laughs) And otherwise, uh, we're getting ready, my husband and I are getting ready to um, join some insanity with Dr. Zach Almay, although I hear he's not even going to be part of it now. But he talked us into some kind of insanity called a terrain race, yeah, where we do obstacle courses in mud and things like that. So we're doing that in August, and one of our friends thought it'd be a really great idea to get ready for that by doing a 5K in Westminster, where you get to taste gourmet food at every mile marker. Now that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of training I'm looking for right there, right? That is motivation. If anyone has ever heard of it, there is something de- delectable at the mile when you get there. So yeah, so we'll be doing that. So I'll keep you updated. But um, I'm glad to be here today. And we have been in an awesome series titled Prayer Walking, and many of you have been participating. It's been really fun um, on our Facebook community to get involved with everyone where they're at and what they're doing. And yes, I did drive and prayer drive. I promise you it was safe. The camera was the other way. I wasn't looking. But um, it's been exciting to uh, just kind of dive into what that means and how we bring the goodness and favor of God wherever we go. And Pastor Luke's been doing an awesome job unpacking over the last few weeks um, just that, that we're laborers of the harvest, and as we go out to places, we get to bring God on location to love people well. And then last week, for those of you that were here, and if you weren't, I encourage you to listen online, but we had um, kind of a roundtable with uh, Benny Nowell and Christine Jenning, and we got to hear... Um, their actual experiences with not only prayer walking um, locally but globally. And it was really fun to listen to their stories. And I know that I was not only blessed, but I was challenged on how um, 
I show up when I prayer walk. And so today I thought it would be great if we could discuss some of those challenges that we might face, not just in prayer walking, because I hope that that hasn't been difficult, but as we become an active participant in where Jesus is at work in people's lives. Because as we persevere in faith for the fruit of our prayers and stay engaged in bringing heaven to earth, we can move from not just a mode of prayer walking, but to a lifestyle. All right, you with me? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is faithful and true. And we thank you, Father, that you are sitting in these seats with us today. And you're unpacking the greatness and the wonder of who you are and your heart and your heart for the people that are in this room, that are outside this church, that are all over the world, God. And so, Father, we invite you to be a part of this discussion, that your words would be my words, that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you will all turn with me in your Bibles to John 4. We're going to take a look at a story we all know pretty well, the woman at the well. John 4, starting in verse 3. He, Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So here we have a really interesting picture. 
Jesus is actually on his own prayer walk. And I love that it says in verse 4, he needed. He needed to go through Samaria. And when we see that, it indicates that his intentionality to travel through Samaria was not out of a geographical need, but out of a divine need. And I love, I love that one word creates this picture for us. That Jesus could have gone this way, and he's like, nope, I need to go this way. And when he gets there, he meets a woman at the well. And she's shocked that he's talking to her, because, <clears throat> as you might know, Samaria, uh, the Samar- Samarians and the Jews don't really get along. Um, largely because when uh, the fall of Israel happened, the Jews intermarried with the Assyrians in Samaria. And so we have kind of a racial and cultural tension here. And on top of that, not only does Jesus make the decision to go into a place that has this tension, but he also proceeds to talk to a woman, which is not really common. And I love that... um, not only do we get to see an intentionality for him to go into this place that's maybe outside of his comfort zone, but that he is displaying a sensitivity to this woman in the face of all of these circumstances. And so when we're prayer walking in our community or at our jobs or schools or wherever you might be at, how do we walk with the same intentionality and sensitivity as Jesus? You see, sometimes we can complicate or overestimate or underestimate, either way, how we show up with people, especially if it's outside of our comfort zone. And it's easy to find ourselves frozen in the fear of even striking up a conversation with some people, or perhaps... We put undue pressure on ourselves that if I'm going to talk to this person, I'm going to give them the overt, come to Jesus, evangelistic speech. And so both of us can paralyze us from even talking at all, right? Because we're either like, I don't even know how to start a conversation, or if I start the conversation, what's the person going to think? And so I think this is a good place for us to maybe talk about how we perceive evangelism. Because probably most of us have maybe either personally experienced or have witnessed evangelism in this fashion. A posture of somebody showing up to a person saying, you need to be like me or you are going to help. I'm not connecting with you. I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at, but there we go. And then when people are like, yeah, we're going to have an evangelistic outreach, right? The room empties out. (laughs) I am out of (laughs) here. And so when we have had this uninviting witness or experience, we sometimes head to the opposite end of the spectrum. And so now we stay in a place of just being with people, but we never actually share the good news. And we hope that maybe by like some kind of transference that they'll get to know him. Like if I just stand close enough to you, somehow the good news of Jesus is going to transfer over here. Come on, we've all been there. I know I've done both of these, right? I'm going to go one end, I'm going to go to the other. And so this doesn't really help people get to know Jesus. But what if we simply use compassionate curiosity 
to engage someone into a conversation where they're seen, where they're heard, and where they're met with an authentic, non-judgmental sensitivity for where we are intersecting their journey with God. That might, does that feel a little bit better? So what is compassionate curiosity? It's kind of a word we've coined. I blame Carla for this. But simply asking questions while being fully present in a person's story and allowing them to come to a place of seeing who and where they really are. And I find this fascinating. In the Gospels, Jesus asks like 307 questions. That's a lot of questions. And what's even more interesting is that he doesn't ask those questions simply to get an answer. He actually asks those questions to draw out a person's own thought processes and beliefs that lead them into repentance and ultimately into personal transformation. We don't really see him coming with some kind of over-evangelistic speech, right? So Jesus asks really good questions. And Ben Sternke states it this way, God is so real, he can only meet us where we really are. And so can I suggest that when we see ourselves as we really are, just like this woman at the well, we can see God as he really is. And so this is so important when we talk about asking good questions to people that are full of sensitivity, just the way Jesus displayed to this Samaritan woman. And the goal isn't to get them to pray the sinner's prayer, although that's awesome. And some of you have that incredible gift. Like there's just an anointing on you that people, they're like asking you for it. Like what's the prayer to pray? But in our everyday life, sometimes we just need to learn how to connect. And as we connect with people and start stirring out these questions so people can see where they really are, there is something magnetic about you that Jesus has for them. And so the primary sphere that you're in might look different than mine, okay? The sphere of uh, circles that I am in is pretty much kids and parents. I have three kids, seven, five, and three, and I'm around a lot of other parents at schools, at activities, at play dates, at you name it. So compassionate curiosity might look a little something like this. When my son started kindergarten, there was another parent in the class um, who suddenly just stopped coming. I mean, the, the son was still coming, her son was, but she wasn't there at drop-off or pickup or whatever, and it caught my attention. And so the grandmother, the woman's mother, um, was there one day, I think, picking up the son, and I walked over to her and I asked, hey, I noticed that Tammy hasn't been here in a little while. I just wanted to see if everything is okay, and... Um, if there's anything I could do. And she said, yeah, she's been in the hospital. She had to have a surgery, and it didn't go well, and she had some complications. And so um, she's just, you know, needing some rest and having to go back to the doctor for some things. And immediately the Lord deposited on my heart that I needed to bring them a meal. Okay. I said, well, I'm really sorry to hear that. Would it be okay if maybe I brought a meal to their house? And the grandmother was like, sure, that would be great. I said, okay, well, I really appreciate that. And um, 
we exchanged information, and before I left, I said, and I'll be, I'll be praying for her. Real simple. And her eyes just lit up. And got a little glassy, and she said, oh my gosh, that would be so wonderful if you would be praying for her. We're really worried. And so now she starts telling me more of like what's actually going on. It was a pretty serious deal. <clears throat> she said, you know, and I've been telling her, and I've been praying for her for a long time, that she would meet godly women in her life because everybody needs a circle of praying people around them. And so now I'm like, oh, now I know what we're up to here, Jesus. This isn't just about a meal and a person who's absent. This is about something that you're at work at. So the woman and I engage in more conversation, and I'm asking her about her, and she's asking about faith questions, and, you know, not every conversation goes this way. This person happened to be a believer. But then she just starts telling me information, and how many of you have this experience where you're like, this person just started telling me their life story? That's that magnetism of Jesus. There's something that all of us carry that draws people into a place of where they're really at. And so then she proceeds to tell me that her brother had been um, attacked. He was a, he's a principal at a school in Denver. He'd been attacked by a student and was risking losing eyesight in one of his eyes in the hospital concussion. So she's got her brother and her daughter going through all this. So now I'm like, this is about this woman. And so I said, can I pray with you right now? And it was a beautiful time. And then I went and took the meal and connected with this mom. And it's been an unfolding over the last, I guess, almost two years now, of friendship with her, of helping her be, you know, supported, knowing what prayer is actually really like in her life. And this all started simply out of a curious question. And so even when we begin to exercise compassionate curiosity with others, or maybe even yourself, and we're in tune with the fact that Jesus is present and always at work in our lives and the lives of others, how do we persevere in prayer and stay engaged while we wait for the fruit? Okay, that, this example was a pretty quick movement, okay? Another example, I, <clears throat> my son's teacher I also noticed that she was missing a lot of days of school. So, of course, I want to make sure it's okay because she's the teacher. Hey, is everything all right? You know, no student gone. I didn't know if you're on vacation. And same thing. Actually, I've had to be in the hospital, but, you know, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. Okay. Um, is there anything <clears throat> that you need help with or that we could do? No, 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 no. I just, you know, it's like I have this thing and I have to get these transfusions and it's just not a big deal. Well, you know, I'm thinking, this sounds like a big deal to me. <laughs> so I start asking her more questions like, oh my gosh, well, that must be really hard. And she, oh yeah, but they're going to have a nurse that's going to come to school and I'm going to be able to do the transfusions while I'm in class so I won't have to miss as much. And I just keep trying to get to know more of the situation. And she starts telling me that she has this autoimmune disorder that she has to do these um, transfusions or basically her body attacks itself. And so this is, in her words, an uncurable thing. But in my mind, it's just waiting for a touch from Jesus. <laughs> and so while the situation may not feel ripe to tell her about Jesus, I'm connecting with this woman. And in fact, next week, she's invited my husband and I 
to come to a reception party to celebrate her recent marriage. A teacher. Like, this, that's not normal. Like, we're becoming friends. Okay? And I'm just in a place for when, just, I loved how Benny said in one of his stories, like, you're just waiting for the now. Now. Now is the time. But of all the instructions that Jesus gave in us bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, none is more important to it all than his instruction to pray. And he, give, he even gave us a guide, right, with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we need to understand that this is not just a suggestion for a future day, for like a coming day, let your, your kingdom come at some point in time. No, it's actually a declaration of, Father, let your kingdom come here and now today. Today. The rest of, of the Lord's Prayer is like the further instruction of the things that we're looking for, that we're praying into. So for this teacher, I'm praying that the kingdom of God will come over her life and over her body and over her situation today. But Jesus instructed us the importance of praying. And while God has the power to change a situation and he deserves all the glory and all the honor, guess what? The praying is for us to do. For us to do. So sometimes it may feel a little bit daunting to persevere in a place of prayer, okay? And there's all types of prayer. There's, there's intercession and there's warfare and there's, you know, all these other things. But can we agree for the everyday living and loving of people that we should just make it a focus? Because as we start to know him, as we get into his presence and we start to see his nature, and we say, Lord, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this person? What, how do you see this person? What do you want me to say to them today? What, is there a place that I can serve? Is there a place that I can give? That starts to create this thing inside of you that your prayer life becomes like air. And it's not this like, I need to slot a specific time to get into my prayer closet. And, and what, if you can do that, oh my gosh, the beauty of that time is absolutely amazing. But for someone like me who has three kids and is on the go and doing all kinds of things, that maybe not always fit into my schedule, but you know what does? Constant communication with the Father. And that's that loving on location. I'm, I'm in a place and I'm just in constant, Lord, what are you doing? What do you want to speak? What do you want to say? How can your kingdom come here right now? Because guess what? When the kingdom of God comes to darkness, when it comes to sickness, when it comes to any circumstance that anybody in your community, in your job, at your school is going through, it can't stay. Let your kingdom come here and now. That is our posture. That is our prayer. And so I love that Jesus urges us that the asking and the seeking and the knocking is for us to persist in. And so in Luke 11, verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, 
Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Persistence. Dude, I need some food, man. (laughs) My in-laws just showed up. I need your help. Persistence and knocking. And even in, in that text of scripture where Jesus is explaining that if, if you would give your children, if your child said, I'm hungry, you're not going to give him a rock. Come on, here you go, dude. You're going to give him food. And so in the natural place, if our father is going to give us food when we ask, when we're knocking, what more will our heavenly father give us when we persist? Lord, Lord, I am standing, and I am believing, and I am proclaiming your kingdom come here right now on earth. Right now, Lord, I'm going to keep knocking, God, until I see it happen, until I see it happen. And even when I grow tired, I'm going to keep knocking because eventually I'm going to open the door. And I want to encourage you that staying in the game of waiting to see fruit for your prayers is so important, not just so that you can see answers, right, which is amazing, and they all have their seasons, but that simply the fruit may be transformation inside of each of us to love others well. If nothing else happens, but you become more comfortable at talking and engaging with people, That is worth so much because you don't know where you're intersecting that person's life. You might be planting a seed, you might be watering a seed, and you might have the privilege of plucking that fruit. And sometimes prayer, it can be a while. And For my husband and I, we had a seven-year prayer. Seven years. (laughs) Okay, we got married in... June of 2007, 10 years ago. We had this beautiful little backyard wedding at my parents' house, and, you know, we tried to save money by making and doing a lot of things ourselves, and then it just was like the perfect wedding for us, okay, all the details, and we had worship, and it it was amazing. And we're like, we're going to get a really good photographer to document this. Because it's not just for us. This is so that our kids can see what this was all about. What our perfect union actually meant. It wasn't just a spectacular party. I mean, it was that too. But there was more to it than that. So we had this photographer. He was quite expensive. And he documented our wedding And Ryan and I uh, got married here in Colorado, but we were living in Chicago at the time. And we went back to Chicago, and the guy contacted us and said, okay, you know, um, we can start looking at getting your albums together and ordering your prints and doing all these things. What you had, yay, I get to see what it looks like. And it was kind of a difficult process because we were in another city. So I'd have to sometimes see if my mom could go meet with the guy, or, you know, we'd have to play phone tag a little bit. Well, only a year, I think about a year after we got married, we felt the Lord telling us to move back to Colorado. 
So I tell the guy, you know what, let's finish the rest of this when I get there. Like, this is a cool way to celebrate our one-year anniversary. So we come out here, have a meeting with him. We were like, we're at the last step of everything. We've given him all of our money, okay? Because now he is returning the product. And he disappears off the face of the planet. Yeah. Yes. No way to reach him. Would not return any phone calls. Would not return an email. His website went down for a while. I mean, and this guy, like, when we looked him up, like, he had a reputation. He'd been doing it for a long period of time. There were other people and recommendations and, you know, we did what we thought was our homework, but this guy fell off the face of the earth with our money and all of our pictures. Needless to say, I was a little bit devastated. So was my parents. So were my parents. So was Ryan. And we're like, well, this, like, something's going on. This guy was really nice. You know, we had a relationship going on here. We've been talking to him for a whole year. Like, this wasn't just weird. And I just felt like something had happened. And this was right about the time when the economy was taking a pretty big hit. And so we're like, oh, man, maybe his business fell or something happened here, okay? You know, so we write him a really nice letter. Whatever is going on, like, we want to be there to, you know, walk through this with you. We don't want to do anything, like, crazy. We're not getting lawyers. We're not doing all this thing. But, I mean, we need to know what's going on. We need you to respond back. Certified mail signed for it. No response. Nothing. Ryan's like driving weekly down to this guy's place where his office was, and he lived, I guess he lived at the time, like pacing. You want to talk about intense prayer walking. He's like, okay, what do I do? Do I go in there? Do I tell this guy? Do I give him a piece of my mind? I'm like, what am I going to, you know? And we just kept feeling like the Lord was like, the battle is mine. The battle is mine. But he has all of our pictures and like thousands of dollars. The battle is mine. Seven years. Lord, come on. Why? I don't understand this. But you know what was happening? Man, a lot of transformation inside. (laughs) To love him anyway, to bless him anyway, to bless his business anyway. Maybe something happened in his family. I mean, we were asking the Lord, like, whatever is going on, God, we need you to show up in this guy's life. Then we moved back out uh, here, um, and I met, if you guys know Shannon Capel, she's a photographer, and this was th- like three years ago, yeah. Um, and I couldn't even really share this story with people because it was so painful for me. And I had been coming to this place where the Lord showed me in heaven all of my wedding pictures. Like, he opened all these books. And what was cool is when he opened the books, the images came alive, And he's like, don't you know that it's all here with me? Don't you know that it's safe? I'm like, yeah, but I really want to look. I don't want to hang it on my wall. And And so I meet with Shannon, and I'm like, you know, I think a really interesting thing to ask you would be what your thoughts on this are. I've been praying about this for almost seven years. And I tell her, and she's like, I cannot believe this happened. Like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. So she Okay, here's the power of agreement in prayer. She agrees with me on the spot. We're going to pray right now, and then I'm going to like, go into my photography spheres, and I'm, we're going to see if there's something I can do. She texts me that night, 
my husband and I were praying for you guys, and we just, we, there's got to be a way. I think like within a week or two, my mom calls me. Are you sitting down? No. Why? And my parents have moved from the house, okay, where we got married. We got married in their backyard. I just received a package in the mail from this photography company. And it was addressed to our old address, but somehow got forwarded. I mean, my parents have lived in this place for a while now. Okay, what is it? She's like, well, I wanted to make sure you're right if I open. I'm like, yes, open it. What are you waiting for? She opens up this package, and inside are two discs with every single image of our wedding. (laughs) With no, like, you know, copyright thing. Like, you can't print these at Walgreens, you know. (laughs) And let me be honest with you. I was asking the Lord, like, just... If he, like, what, you know, maybe he doesn't have the money, he doesn't have the paper, I don't know what's going on, but, like, if I could just have them back in whatever form, like, we have to spend our own money. And, and, you know, we actually still only have a few printed because we're like, oh, like, we, now we got to, like, find a different way to do this. We lost a lot, but, man, we gained a picture of heaven. Because when the Lord said, I, don't you know those are safe with me? And he's like, and delivered. Seven years, which I think is pretty cool, too. That was our seven-year anniversary. So persistence in prayer, I want to tell you, it may take some time, but the fruit of what is happening in the process when you continue to seek him in that place is life-changing. I have a compassion for something that I would never have even understood before, wouldn't even have a clue. And so when Jesus gives us this example that if we keep persisting, the door will be opened. I want you to remember that, that those prayers are effective, and when we move with intentionality and sensitivity, and we start asking compassionate curiosity questions, that while we wait for that fruit both in us and around us, God is doing something, and his kingdom is moving. And so I want to close with some good news. So back to our story of the woman at the well in John 4, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Skip down to verse 13. And whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him. The water I give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so no matter where you are geographically, spiritually, When you have Jesus living and speaking inside of you, loving people and bringing them into the active kingdom of God is the most refreshing water you could possibly offer. And we do have anointed feet to carry the gospel of peace and goodness. And what we deposit is simply a drink of water for someone who might be in a dry desert of their life. And maybe it's it's a pouring out of some water to to the seeds that have been planted over a region, over a nation, over a generation. 
but that living water will become in them. In them. So now when they go, and maybe they share your story or they share another story, that water keeps going for everlasting life. How amazing is that? So I want to end with this. I asked the worship team to come back up. and We're going to sing this song, Every Nation. Because while we maybe have not always had a really great, fuzzy feeling about evangelism, we're all called to proclaim the good news. We're all called to make disciples. And so when you give Jesus evangelism, things are going to happen. So let's all stand together. And why don't you grab the hand of your neighbor? And Jesus, today we just pray for your sensitivity within us to rise, God. That as we move with intentionality on our prayer walks, God, that you would lead us into many lands of need, God. That we would move with your heart of sensitivity and intentionality to have compassion for people, to see them, to hear them, to know their story. And God, that they would arise and waken to life in you, God. That they would be drawn into the kingdom of heaven that is here and now. Lord, let your kingdom come here and now in this place over each of us, over our communities, over our neighborhoods, over the body of Vine Life, over the region of Boulder County, over all of the state of Colorado, God. We are declaring that every tribe and nation and tongue belongs to you, God. So let your kingdom come here and now, Lord. You are worthy, God. You have given us salvation so that we would be free indeed. And God, we are free to love people. And so today we agree and declare over ourselves, God, that we will go out, Father. We will go out and love like you do, Father. We will go out and see lives change for the kingdom, God. We thank you, Lord, and we ask you to be with us in Jesus' name.
every soul. You're worth every heart, Jesus. Well, you're worth it all, Jesus. Sing that again. Jesus, you. Oh, Jesus, you. Thank you. 